0: Hi, this is the Cracking Cybersecurity Podcast. I am your host, Anna Delaney, editor at TICE, the leading cybersecurity site for experts and enthusiasts alike. On this week's episode, we go back in time to the end of 2018, where I met with cybersecurity company Tanium's CEO, Orion Hindawi, and Chief Product Officer, Ryan Kazansian, at their yearly conference, Converge, in Washington, D.C., We discussed a range of topics, including the following questions. Is it fair to label vendors as the snake oil of the cybersecurity industry? How can CISOs measure risk and present their findings to the board in a comprehensive way? Can companies really avoid having a weak link in their armor? And what questions should organizations be asking when it comes to protecting themselves? Remember, I'll be giving you a cyber tip of the week at the end of the interview. But first to my interview with Orion. There's a bit of talk about the vendor being the bad guy in the in the cybersecurity world. And everybody's got the latest product, everybody's got the solution. So what do you think about that? Is that a fair statement first of all?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think our industry is one of the most snake oily industries in the world. So if you talk to every little startup, and somebody told me recently that there are 3,000 of them, and you ask them what they do, they solve, in almost every case, a tiny little sliver of the problem. But it's important enough in their mind that you should buy another one. And what our customers have been forced to do as a result of this industry, in many cases, is buy 50 or 100 point solutions that they're supposed to deploy and manage and upgrade and integrate and run consoles for and train people on, and it's completely unsustainable. If you look at our biggest customers, the ones that are spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars a year on cyber, they can't make it work. And if you look at the tier down where they're spending just tens of millions of dollars on cyber, it's completely broken. So I think the cybersecurity industry has misled our customers. I think it's told them that things like prevention were going to automatically solve the problem. I think our customers are wisening up to the fact that that's just not true. I think that our industry has told them that they need to have all these products and that it's their job to integrate them. Again, I think that's not true. I mean, Tanium was essentially founded around the concept that there's a better architecture for the platform. What we did after that was we started developing modules on this platform, each of which is designed to rip out a point solution in a much less expensive, much more flexible way. And I think vendors deserve exactly the reputation that you just ascribed. I think that, in fact, our industry has really failed our customer.
0: How do you think the industry can work better with vendors?
1: Honestly, as long as we've got as much funding going into cyber from the VC community as there is, there is enough incentive for people to start a little company that has a reasonable description and you get $10 million of funding, and then you get to go chase your bliss, I actually don't think that's going to get solved until that stops. I, I, you know, Once the VCs realize that every little feature doesn't deserve a company and that in reality I think a lot of the money that's being funded into cyber is just going straight down the drain, when that realization happens, we may see different behavior. But today the incentive structures in our industry are essentially designed for the outcome we have.
0: And what are the greatest problems that you think are currently happening? What are the greatest challenges?
1: So I think that every customer we have is being attacked successfully every day. And if you don't think you're being attacked every day, then your detection mechanism isn't good enough. And if you know that you're being attacked every day, the whole idea that you can prevent everything and it'll just you know go away, At this point, you must understand that's not true. So what we've been explaining to our customers and what I really believe is true is that the goal should not be prevention, it should be resilience. So in the end of the day, if you're going to be attacked every day, and importantly, if operations is going to have an outage every day too because somebody misconfigures something or an upgrade doesn't work or somebody kicks a power cord or whatever it is, the goal needs to be to make your environment resilient enough that when bad things happen, they happen less frequently, sure, but they have a lower amplitude so they don't knock the whole business over. They may be an annoyance instead of a disaster and they last less time. That goal of shortening the window of outage and making the amplitude lower needs to be the goal because there will be successful attack every day and there will be operations outages every day. We just hope that they're they're low amplitude, that You know, kind of the analogy is that it's the common cold, that you don't have to go to the hospital for it. It may be a little bit annoying. You get a sniffle, but you recover instead of a really uh, onerous disease, which I think, unfortunately, in the Fortune 100, there have been multiple cases that are very public in the last year where big companies suffered months and months of really painful outage because they didn't have resilience, because when they got sick, they got really, really sick
0: quantifying risk can be tricky, especially when presented to the board. How do you advise this can be done well?
1: So we get called into board meetings all the time to educate the boards of companies or the operating uh, committees of companies. And the first thing I would say is there needs to be basic awareness of what cybersecurity means and what drives cybersecurity or lack thereof. So things like patch state, which I think people who've been in this industry have recognized for a long time, if you're not patching your computers, I don't care what else you're doing, you're going to get really, really bad breaches on a regular basis. Uh, You require no creativity from your attacker if you're leaving known critical vulnerabilities open for an extended period of time to let them in. So asking the right questions, educating them on what the right kind of leading indicators are for good success. So is multi-factor actually enabled everywhere? Is disk encryption actually enabled everywhere? Do you have a really good asset inventory? These are basic questions and they're verifiably, provably, data-driven questions. So instead of feelings, you know, do we feel like we're secure is not actually a good question. Here are the five or six vectors that we really should be paying attention to and let's track them on a repeated basis using data to see if we're getting better. The second thing I would say is boards of directors, I think, need to be aware that cyber is going to become more expensive over time. Unfortunately, and I I really do seriously believe that our industry owes our customers better, but to do a great job with cyber, given the amount of deployment of data into cloud-based environments, the amount of digitization that's happening in our customers. I mean, if we talked about 20 years ago, Many of our customers could operate reasonably if their computers go down. Today, I don't have a single customer, and I'm not sure that I can think of a customer that is large, where if their computing system went down, they'd be fine, or they'd even be in business. Uh, and so you know, I think boards need to just be aware that this has become such a critical element in their business that they need to actually fund it as if it's existential. Um, and I think you know, bringing in experts, not to sit on the board, because honestly, like I don't think that's necessary, but to educate the board periodically on what the trends have been, I think they find very interesting and very helpful.
0: There's a lot of unknowns about the future. I mean, there are always unknowns, but particularly in, in cyber, whether you're talking about cyber warfare or you're talking about data privacy or you're talking about quantum computing. Yep. How hopeful are you?
1: Well, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old, so if I'm not hopeful, then uh, I I think that that would be a bad place to be. But, look, I I mean, I think we've got really, really smart people who are on the right side of this, who are working hard. And I think my company is full of them, and I think there are others, uh, to make this a more manageable problem. And on the flip side, there is so much incentive for countries and organizations to steal and cause damage through cyber. I mean, just as an aside, I was in Hawaii when uh, we got a text message earlier this year that said that a ballistic missile was incoming, and essentially, like this was not a drill. They didn't say you're all going to die, but they kind of meant it. And I looked at my wife and I said, essentially, I'm pretty sure this is not true. And the reason it's not true is because. If I were a country and I was trying to cause damage, I would definitely use cyber as the vector. I wouldn't use a nuclear weapon. You can see the plume of a missile and where it originated from, and then you can bomb that back. But with cyber, attestation is more art than science. And I think we, unfortunately, are probably going to see a cyber event that's really material in the next 10 years. Uh, But I am hopeful that with a lot of cooperation with government, with a lot of sharing between our customers, with... A lot of intent and probably a lot of money spent on this we can be in a place where again as an economy we can be resilient to what will probably be a pretty significant hit so i guess i'm cautiously optimistic if i had to synthesize
0: and now to ryan kazansian tanium's chief product officer whom i also caught up with at the event I was talking with Orion yesterday about, you know, vendors being the snake oil of the, of the whole <laughs> of, the, of the industry. How do you differentiate yourselves amidst all this oil?
2: Yeah, I would say that our focus on getting the basics right through a good foundation is the core of what differentiates us. I mean, in the early days of our product, our team spent five years simply building an architecture and platform for the underlying concepts of collecting data from endpoints at scale very quickly and then taking action. That on its own is technically compelling, but not quite as sexy or glamorous as building the next new mousetrap to detect an advanced attack or any of those specific niche use cases that you see a lot of startups in the field pursue. And don't get me wrong, that innovation and the need for companies to find solutions to those small problems is is really critical, problems small and large. Um, But our ability to focus on getting a good foundation in place is what then allows us to iterate with our customers and say, well, what are the 50 technologies you're using for security and systems management, and what are the actual outcomes you're trying to get out of them? And the data we get back from those conversations is how we can then build products on top of our platform that, instead of trying to solve problems in the same way as other solutions, try to make for a better result. And that's ultimately what matters for the business. Um, It's not whether you've installed the latest or greatest anti-malware tool, uh, it's whether you've actually produced a better result for the business, a more reliable organization that can handle disruption. Um, that's what we strive to do.
0: Um, today, one of the, the speakers mentioned that you can't have a weak link in your armor. How, how can you possibly do that?
2: So you come at it from two directions. One is uh, you do everything you can to make the practices that you know work small-scale, apply to the large scale. And it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. If you, through automation and good technology, can have one very smart analyst do the job of 10 sets of tools and a team of people, you can then scale your teams appropriately and be more effective at covering every link in the chain. Uh, Collaboration is key to that as well. We work with a lot of organizations that, through acquisition and growth, have a lot of different silos that are each performing the same functions in different pockets of the business. And then those silos are cross-intersected by groups that are focused on niche areas of security or operations. And so you end up with this matrix of teams that are all trying to fundamentally achieve the same objective, but they're each using different tools against different parts of the business. And that is what creates inconsistency. And inconsistency drives insecurity because the controls that are working well and are fully monitored and up-to-date on one set of systems may be completely different than the other. And so solving that and allowing teams to work better together with a common source of truth uh, is, I think, one of the ways that we can help with that. The other is always assume that there will be a weak link no matter what your best efforts are and contain the blast radius of that link breaking. So we see a lot of organizations where you'll hear in the news that um, because of one vulnerability in one system or because one user opened up an email that they shouldn't have opened up, that that led to an enterprise-wide breach. Or that because of one bad patch, a critical business system went down and then the entire business suffered. That fragility is unsustainable, that sort of domino effect that often occurs when there is a disruption. And so um, planning for and understanding the dependencies in your environment – can allow you to then engineer around them so that when something does fail, uh, it's much more contained.
0: Well, another topic that was mentioned this morning at at Converge um, was asking the right questions, the importance of asking the right questions. What are the questions you think organizations should be asking?
2: So I'll echo what we often hear when working with our CIO customers, our CISO customers, and what they're expected to communicate back to the board. Uh, With the advent of well-publicized security breaches, every board member worries about the existential threat of compromise. But what we've seen shift is reporting on what were at first enticing, but ultimately meaningless stats, like you'll see security team blocked 50,000 attacks today. And yeah, that sounds good on paper, but in reality, they weren't actually attacks. They were probes and automated things and what I call internet weather. Moving from those types of metrics to things that actually get to the root of risk is what's key. So communicating uh, how many of your assets are under management versus not under management. How many unmanaged assets are you discovering and at what pace? What is the average time to bring a system out of compliance into compliance? And how does that compare across system types or business units? If you start taking that more holistic view of risk and pair it with some of the actual meaningful stats around, are we being compromised? How long does it take us to recover? what's the impact, then you have a much more complete view of your security and risk posture than when you take a very narrow attack-focused, security incident-focused perspective. And I think that's what a lot of boards learned through trial by fire when WannaCry happened. Because WannaCry exposed the gaps in systems management and patching that I think at an executive level, a lot of people assumed had already been solved. Like, how is it that a patch that is three or four months old isn't fully deployed in an environment that has spent millions, if not tens of millions, of dollars on IT. Uh, a lot of board members and leaders asked that question with justifiably. And so that forced the revisiting of the technologies and processes in place and um, drove a lot of what we work with companies on today, which is taking processes that are months, uh, take months to complete and turning them into things that you can do in a couple of hours.
0: And now it's time for our Cyber Tip of the Week. Just because that email says it's from your boss doesn't mean it is. So if it is asking you to do something unusual, check in person. That's all for this week. Join us next time for more cyber tips and conversations.